Welcome to the Heart of Life podcast. We're Jesse and Brooke, two therapists and friends, sharing our lived stories and creating an unscripted space for healing. We hope this podcast empowers our listeners to find freedom and bravery through examining the heart of life with curiosity and permission. While this isn't a substitute for therapy, we believe that you'll find healing, belonging, and your own invitation into becoming. Welcome back. We have been talking about stillness and quiet and the importance of tapping into and anchoring to the the quieter parts of us. Uh, And our invitation last week was very simple, right? It was just, can you be still? Can you give yourself just a few minutes to just be still and listen and be curious about what happens or what doesn't happen? Um, stillness and quiet is just as valuable as a whole bunch of, you know, thoughts about all the creative things we want to do. Like all of those things are important and we get what we need when we settle into stillness. So I'm curious about how you took that invitation, Jesse, and then we'll talk a little bit about how I took it. Yeah. The, the moment that came to my mind with this invitation was, um, Earlier this week, I had a migraine coming on, and I know now that if I push through those things, that it just gets worse, and so I didn't push through it, and what that ended up looking like is I was at home and took Jeffrey for a walk, and when we came back, I was looking at our front yard, and at first, I was thinking of all the things we need to do to, you know, get the pine needles up and all this stuff. But we have this rock in our front yard that is the perfect size for my butt to sit in. (laughs) And I've discovered this before. And I was like, oh, I haven't been on my butt rock in a while. So I sat on that rock and Jeffrey fits on it right next to me. And it was a sunnier day. And it was, I just let the sun touch my skin and Jeffrey's nose is going wild smelling these things. And that moment was so nourishing to me. And, you know, I still had to nurse that migraine and really kind of mitigate it in some other ways, but that stillness brought me back enough to be able to figure out what I needed to do next for that. It was, and like, it's such a very, um, in a, in a full sensory way, like a really saturated moment for me, you know, I can hear our wind chimes in the background and feel Jeffrey's fur. And there's a little bit of crisp in the, in the breeze, but it's the hot sun on just the left side of my face. Like it was very visceral. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. How about the rock was just made for you? It was like, this is, it's like a perfect plus size, butt rock. (laughs) And it's like, yes, this house is good, but. How's the rock though? (laughs) Um, Yeah. I love that. And just the stillness and quiet, right? The, the settling in. Yeah. I I have the opportunity and have had the opportunity now for a couple of years to travel to Phoenix three times a year for a training. Um the first time that I went it was it was honestly the first time I've ever traveled 
just for me somewhere, just by myself. Wow. Um, which was a, a really powerful experience in itself. But one of the things that I have learned to look forward to so much when I go there are these early morning sunrise hikes in the desert. Mostly because most of the time I visit, it's way too hot to do it any other time. Mm-hmm. But I I love them so much. There's something about listening to the desert wake up where you realize this incredibly harsh environment is just full of life. And you can hear birds everywhere and little lizards scurrying around. And it's just so, it's beautiful. Um. So, so when I, when I was there and I was walking through, I'm always, I think the saguaro are so amazing to me. And I have learned so much about them because they are so amazing to me. They don't even grow their first arm until they're 50 to 75 years old. So they're just like a, like a one right in the ground until, until then. And even the ones that like, I was reading that when, like they're three feet tall, right? Just kind of this barrel that's three feet tall. They're like 10 years old by then. So these saguaros that you see out in the desert that have multiple arms and they're twisting around are so old, right? They've they've survived and thrived in the desert for all that time. But one of the things that I think is so beautiful about it is that they are home to so many of these desert creatures. There's a certain kind of woodpecker that comes in and bores holes in the side of it. But then there are other birds that live in those holes. And the saguaro will, once as a hole like that, it will just heal that wound, but in a way that keeps this cavity inside of their body for the sheltering of these other birds. And then those birds go and pollinate the saguaros. Right. So there's this beautiful symbiotic ancient relationship that's happening. So while I was there admiring these, thinking about the the symbolism of them, the metaphor of them, this prayer came to me. And we we actually put it on our our Instagram last week, but I wanted to share it today uh, because it has it has been so meaningful to me and came in that moment of stillness and quiet being by myself. I am notorious for always listening to podcasts or always listening to a book or always listening to something. Um, But I wasn't, I was still and quiet. And because of that, I could hear this. So it says, Sawaro prayer, a path to intuition. May we, like you, grow in whatever shape we need to feel the sun and drink the rain. May we never question if the shape we take makes us more or less real. May we become strong enough to withstand the elements and soft enough to be broken open, finding new growth in the wound. May we, like you be generous givers of nourishment, refuge, and rest, our body an instrument of healing. Hmm. That is so beautiful. 
it's it's so powerful to me this idea of like the what sticks out to me so so deeply in this is this idea of the wound being healed in a way that still creates space mm-hmm. right like I, I thought you were gonna say like and then a new arm grows out of that hole or it smooths over and the birds are trapped <laughs> it, it allows you know the 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 metaphor that's being brought to me in this is like the the wound of that trauma from the woodpecker actually becomes the home for something else right it's it's not in spite of it's because of yes yeah and necessary right then when we think about the birds that move in who are who are then pollinating and creating more life because they have shelter on the hottest days Mm. um and and you know i think i've i've been there like i think i was there i was there in february april and october of last year and every experience in the desert was different april was my favorite because the desert is blooming and it is so there's something so incredible about seeing these sharp, pointy, uninviting cacti that have the most delicate, pastel, beautiful flowers on them. Mm. But you really get the sense as you're in there, like, they're not just surviving this, they are thriving in this, even and even and because of the wound that is created, it creates this thriving and, and this life that is just giving um, in all of these different ways. Yeah, it's really, it's really beautiful. But I, I do like that, Jesse, that I, that metaphor that it is the wound that creates space. Mm-hmm. And, and we often think that, um, that we have to actually seal that off and heal it completely for us to be able to to navigate joy or creativity or any of those things. But what if we actually tap deeper into a creative part of us or into a giving part of us or into a nourishing part of us because we're allowing this, this wound to make space for life mm-hmm. and for, for thriving. And it's, it's, you know, a client is coming to my mind that has had loss in her life. And because of how she has chosen to allow it to transform her, a more recent loss, she is now a guide, right? Like she is a home for so many who are grieving along with her. And that's because she has allowed that that hole to heal over in a way that can still be inhabited. Right. For this, um, there is a, I I think most of us are familiar with um, Carl Jung's work in, in terms of like the shadow part of us that we need to understand and learn to integrate and bring in. We're less familiar. And I, and I just recently learned about it but we're less familiar with the part of his work where he talks about this golden shadow, this, this other part of us that we, for whatever reasons, right? Whatever our experience in life or the way we've been taught to think about ourselves, this other part of us that is unknown, 
but holds deep meaning and creativity and light. Um, and and I think if we can hold this this picture of this saguaro, right, then we we can see like this maybe the shadow side or all of the ways we've learned to protect ourselves from the elements. But the golden shadow side is the way that when we're broken open, we we can receive differently and give differently and show up differently in this very creative and generative way. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's really timely, right, that we're talking about shadow work and golden shadow work because this, I think, is the next... Um, it's already being kind of uh, capitalized on, and what do you call it? Um, TikTok mental health is that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Neither of us are on TikTok, but we imagine it's what it is. Um, <laughs> but this this idea of doing your shadow work, quote unquote, right, and like digging out and excavating all of the parts of self that are that are problematic or dark or or generationally traumatized, and. Yeah. there there's some beauty in that and some necessity in that in some ways but I think it's an incomplete it's an incomplete reflection of self if we're not also companioning with the golden shadow and and that theory is that as we're digging we also uncover new creative parts of self and new healed parts of self or even generational healing that has passed through and and this doesn't only have to mean the people that we were born of right, or that we can trace lineage of, but it's um, who impacted the people that brought us into the world too, right? right? Or who raised us or nurtured us or nurtured who nurtured us or whatever. Right. Or what teachers have come into your life who have inspired you to look more closely at that golden shadow part of you have, have inspired you to think differently. I, I have this generally I hated high school pretty much, pretty much the whole thing. Um, but I had an English teacher, my junior year who had asked us to write a persuasive essay as they do. Right. And, um, something, something about his teaching or what we read moved in me, um, to write something that actually meant something to me, Mm. right? Instead of persuading people to get better grades or to get a job or to apply for college or any of the other things that would have come. Instead, I, in my school, I grew up in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And in my school in the 90s, um, this was before there was a whole lot of integration in terms of students with disabilities being in the same classes as students with like, I guess, normal functioning is what Mm -hmm. in quotations, right? Um, So there was a, there was a big separation, but I remember there was this uh, student named Michael who had um, Down syndrome. And I would watch people in my school be so kind and friendly to nice and friendly to him to his face in a way that made him feel like he had friends but then i would watch these same people 
make fun of him as soon as he left. And it was like, I feel it in my body, even as I'm talking about it, the heat rising in my body, the like emotion of how painful it was for me to watch that happen. Yeah. Um, And so when I, my very, very shy 16 year old self was thinking about what I would write a persuasive essay about that I had to read to my class, I decided to write it about this, which is like me calling out the whole student body. Um, But I did. I, I tapped into this in that moment, this golden shadow part of me that was so tied to intuition, so tied to my own knowing, to this bravery and courage that I did not know existed most of the time. And I wrote this essay and I did call out the student body and I read it to my class. And I remember the silence when I was done reading and students who had never talked to me before coming up and saying like, I remember one one student in particular because the teacher had said, okay, who wants to go next? And this one student saying, nobody, <sighs> like, nobody wants, nobody wants to go next. And we just, the teacher just let it sit and let it be there. But afterwards, I had students coming up to me who were not in that class who were telling me that they'd heard about it and, and what that had meant to them. And the teacher pulled me aside and said, Brooke, you never say anything in these classes and you have so much to say. Hmm. You need to start saying those things. And I, I think about him all the time. Wow. That was like, those are the, those are the things we have. Like, I could also tell you this, like extensive trauma history of my life. But in terms of what has influenced me most to be who I am, it was a moment like that. It was this moment where I was deeply connected to a truth-telling, brave part of me, that golden shadow that I I didn't necessarily see. Yeah. Well, this to this point, right? Like you could share this trauma timeline or trauma story, but those trump those traumas didn't make you who you are it was how you integrated them right right and and part of the the integration ointment if we want to call it that is experiences like what you just shared with someone cultivating our golden shadow parts or someone holding space and seeing something in us that we can't see right you know that's actually what what is the regenerative energy of that? Right. And and they often happen in hard places, right? Like I, I would liken high school to that harsh desert. <laughs> like it, was, it felt very pointy and hot to me most of the time. <laughs> um, but I have a handful of other experiences where people who were in a place of teaching or authority in in places in my life that felt very harsh and intolerable who I think because of their own wounds made home for me mm-hmm. and 
allowed me to be strong enough and to nourish myself so that I could be home for someone else. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think about another a professor that I had. I like my whole world kind of imploded and I went to school the next day, having not slept at all, having sunglasses on because I'd been crying for hours, but I knew I had to be there. Like I, it was imperative that I be at school. Um, and this professor let me live in her wound. Mm. <laughs> like when I think about it from that metaphor from Miss Sawaro, like she was that for me. I knew she had been wounded because she shared with me her own story. But because of her story, she let me live there mm-hmm. and sheltered me and and gave me so much so that I could keep moving forward. And I'm so grateful for that. But that is that her own golden shadow showing up, right? Her ability to teach and mentor these things that we bring in and we incorporate not um, that are not separate from our whole lived experience. So I'm curious, Brooke, if you can, I'm, I'm struck by this story that you're sharing with your Professor, and I'm wondering if you can share with me a little bit about how you recognize that was actually her allowing you to live in her wound versus I think this experience we can have frequently where, you know, we share something vulnerable or painful with someone or we let them into that experience with us. And then they're sharing about their similarity. It feels like they make it about them. Sure. Or that we feel the need to take care of them in our distress. Um, Yeah, you know, she, she was an adjunct professor. She was probably in her early sixties. I would, I would guess. Um, She was just teaching like a freshman English 101 class. Anyway, she, the day that I went there and was so distraught and distressed, I had actually asked if I could speak to her in the hallway and she had come out and I, you know, I'd only, I'd been in class for one week, like probably a week, maybe two. And I had told her there's some really, really hard things happening in my family right now. And I have to be here. Like, I know that I have to be in school, um, but I might not always be able to be here the way I had hoped to when I signed up for this class. And she she didn't tell me anything about her story. She just said, you tell me whatever you need and just keep talking to me about what's going, about what you need and we'll figure it out. We'll get you through this class. Hmm. And so initially I didn't really know anything except that I think energetically I could feel that she understood Mm. the the deep pain that I felt Mm -hmm. um but then over the course of the semester like really bad things were happening and painful things my nephew died we were going I was going through this terrible divorce my kids were suffering and she would just ask me if I was okay she would just like, I see you, right? Like, I see you, I see you. 
One day we were in the library because we were working on a research project and I was so stressed out. I like look back on pictures now and I'm like, I don't think that I ate for like a year. Like I just looked so thin and ill. Yeah. And I was walking into the library and she said, come with me. And she took me downstairs to the cafe that was at the bottom of the library and bought me a muffin and said, okay, let's go back up and work on your project. Like she, she didn't let my pain be the focus of what was happening, but it was, she was always aware of it, mm. but through it, like, and I think this is what you're asking through it. She kept telling me that I could do this thing that was so hard. Mm-hmm. She kept like n- literally nourishing me but also just showing up mm-hmm. and noticing me and saying, Hey, that's really good writing. Hey, mm-hmm. that was really good. Like follow that, pay attention to that. And it was what I needed to know, like we were going to be okay. We weren't okay right then, but we were going to be okay. Um, I didn't know what she had gone through until it was almost the end of the semester. And I still don't know entirely um, but it was almost the end of this, the semester. And I was in this place of like, not knowing at all what to do. I didn't know if I was supposed to just try and reconcile things in my marriage, or if I was supposed to like move forward with divorce, I was so confused and so tired. And she sat across from me and we were doing a review of the research that I had so far in this conference. And she and just like, that's what we were talking about. And she put her, I remember so clearly, she put her hand on all the paperwork and she said, I need to tell you something. And she was, she was a very um, Christian woman. And she said to me a long time ago, I had a whole bunch of people telling me that it was wrong for me to leave an abusive relationship But then I always asked if my older brother, she was referring to Jesus, would want me to stay here. And she said, I want you to ask yourself that question. Like, would anyone who really loves you want you to stay? And I know she broke a whole bunch of academic rules (laughs) by doing that thing. But that was exactly what I needed. Mm -hmm. And it was coming from this part of her that had broken open, but allowed me to take shelter in that. Yeah. And what's so powerful in how she shared that with you that I'm, I'm kind of soaking in right now is you didn't have to know all of the details of exactly what had happened or how she navigated it. Yeah. And I wonder if, because she sounds like such a wise like a, such a sage person in your life, if she had attempted to, you know, tell her all the stories, t- tell you all the stories right at the beginning, if that would have had an an ineffective impact, right? But I wonder if it was this relationship she built with you that then allowed her to distill down what part of this was the part you needed to know. Yeah, I, I think so. I think so. I had the opportunity um when I graduated with my master's degree, I 
took a chance that she still was working at the university where I'd started, which wasn't in Colorado. And I sent an email into the ether telling her where I was and what I'd done and who I was and how grateful I was for that, for how she cared for me, but particularly that day um, when she had helped me find some clarity in my life. Um, and I didn't hear from her for, I didn't hear back. I didn't expect to, but then, um, probably two weeks later, I got an email from her that was just so kind and sweet. And she remembered all the details of what had happened in my world. Um, and just the gratitude both of us felt for the, for the experience of connection, for sheltering and for, like finding this beauty in this harsh, pointy, painful environment. Yeah. Yeah. That, <clears throat> you know, as we're talking through this, I think it's, it's becoming clear that there's a lot we have to say about the golden shadow. Um, and the way I'm thinking about what we've talked about so far is how how our golden shadow creates home for others. And I think there's, you know, you had shared with me an insight that I think we can cover in a part two for this. Um, so this is an unintentional cliffhanger <laughs> part that you shared with me. Um, but I think there's there's concepts of the golden shadow for ourselves that we we can dive in, but this feels like such a such an important part to let be its own section of the golden shadow for others. Yeah. 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 And the, and the beauty of trusting that, that part of you, right. That I'm, I'm so grateful she trusted that part of her and it must've been terrifying mm -hmm. to lean in like that. So vulnerable. Um, but I'm, I'm grateful for it all the time. I think about her all the time. So I guess the invitation we leave with you today is um, where have you found shelter? Where have you found shelter in, in the hard things and in, in who, who in your world, whether they're deeply known by you or not, um, tapped in and let themselves express that, that golden shadow part of them, that more, that connecting and vulnerable part that allowed you to take shelter in that. Yeah. And I, I think too, like the additional invitation in that for me is if you, if you've ever thought of making that known, right. Yeah. Maybe revisit that. Cause I'm imagining this professor you reached out to, I'm I'm sure that who you became after that shook her to her core to know and what a gift you gave her to tell her. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Tell people. Yeah. Tell them how they have given you shelter. Yeah. Okay. We'll see you next time. We hope you're enjoying listening to the podcast as much as we love creating it. And we'd love to hear from you about your lived story. What are you examining and learning? Who are you becoming? 
Our podcast is sponsored by Riverbend Counseling in Colorado Springs. Following along with us on Instagram at Riverbend Therapy will allow you to engage more fully with the content of our episodes. There you'll find reflective questions, challenges, and community. If you appreciate this podcast, consider leaving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform, or better yet, share it with people you think might benefit from the work here. Thank you.